Welcome to this week's episode of X to Interact. I'm your host, Polar. We have co-hosts, Ark, Sam, and Gav. A lot to talk about on the news. Um, there's just a ton, so I guess we'll get right into it. Um, we'll start off with the PlayStation shutting down PlayStation Portable, PlayStation 3, and PlayStation Vita stores, I guess, in the summer. And like I said, I, I thought this happened earlier, um, but... Do you guys have any insight on that? Like, have you heard more? Okay, so oh. um, from from what I've heard, the PSP store was already shut down like a couple years ago. You can't you can't really go on there and buy games for the PSP digitally anymore. Um, but the PS3 and Vita are still running. Actually, I bought a Vita like two years ago with like the intent to mod it or whatever, and uh, the store was still up when I was like going through it, but. The P- right now, the PS3 and Vita stores, are, they're, like, really bad. Like, I have hear people saying that the PS3 store, like, crashes a lot if you try to use it. So, <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's not good for either system right now for their stores. Yeah, I I have I had a PS3, and I never once went on or purchased anything from the PS3 store. All my All my purchases for PS3 were all physical games, so... I have no experience with the store. I mean, it kind of sucks for people who have a PS3 and like to purchase digital things or uh, DLC, for example, um, that doesn't have a physical release, stuff like that. And it kind of sucks for the back catalog, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, because especially because Sony doesn't support backwards compatibility like Xbox does. Like, there's going to be so many games that you can't, like, and DLCs that you won't be able to, like, actually play anymore. And, like, even even the physical games, like Metal Gear Solid 4 that are still stuck in the PS3, they're probably going to be a lot harder to get physically even, because now people are going to shoot up the prices of those physical games. Yeah, what do you think? According to the article, the PSP and PS3 stores will be closed on July 2nd, while the Vita store will stay open until August 27th. So there's still there's still a few more months before those be gone forever. I guess and, like that PSA, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um I, I just I just wanna note that this this is just a report. This is there's like nothing official yet, but this is this where this article states that Sony's gonna make an announcement at the end of this month. So we'll actually see if it's true or not. But if it is true, to me I think it's like a big disappointment that they're just kind of getting rid of like their entire back catalog of games with, as far as we know, no way to play them. They've got to have a replacement plan, right? You know what they're going to do? They're going to come out here and they're going to be like, yo, we're shutting these stores down, but we're going to let you download PS3 games on PS Now now because you can't do that right now. Oh, uh, that's dirty. I don't like that. That would be awesome. It won't happen, but it'd be awesome. Yeah, but I don't know if they're going to let you download it. Because a lot of games with PS Now you just stream. Yeah, it's uh, can... yeah, the PS3 games specifically you can only stream. Everything else you can yeah. download, but I yeah. think it was because um, when you use PS Now, they're using like I- I'm pretty sure they actually use like PS3 hardware to stream it back to you because the cell processor yep. is a uh, notoriously difficult to like work with. Yeah, the, so that's the... why I don't Next, think they uh... ever had backwards compatibility for the PS3 at least. I just yeah, remember yeah. like the the cell processor always having issues when they were porting games to the PS3. Yeah, it always yeah. caused delays and 
uh, it was like a big headache for most developers. Yeah. Yeah. The architecture inside the PS3 is so different. It's like impossible for them. Not impossible, but it's too much. Too much work to be worth it for a lot of um, developers to port games. And that, yeah. And that, yeah. That's why you can't download PS3 games because you can download PS4 and PS2 games on yeah. PS now, but. But. But yeah. even then, like the PS2 selection is really not a lot, cause uh, oh, yeah. I rem- I remember back in the PS4, they were doing a whole PS2 to PS4 program. Those aren't the same games that are on the PS3 that you can download. Like those are like specific games they ported over to the PS4, and so like the select in the selection's not that great either. And like I kind of wish Sony would at least make it so you can like have back have PS1 and 2 backwards compatibility in the PS5, cause uh, PS3 I I can understand, you know, the cell the cell wasn't easy to develop for. But like I feel like there's like kind of no excuse for at least PS one and two to be not be on there. Yeah. Yeah, and that that kind of sucks because like PS three is like when I started really getting into games, so that yeah, would be, that would those would be the, the that would be the catalog of games that I would want to, you know, go back and play. And yeah, like but... I said, there's like a lot of games on PS three that are still stuck on there. Like I said, Metal Gear Solid four. There's no other place to play it besides the PS three. You know. Yeah. Uh, I can see both sides of the argument where, of course, you want to play these old games and this, these stories are gone and there'll be zero way to play them again. And that's such a people that are a fan of those old games. But, of course, on the other hand, you know, it costs money to maintain these stores. And <laughs> how, ma- how many people are really taking advantage of these old stories? And so, from the business side, you gotta look at the the cost benefit. And if it's really not that advantageous to keep up, then I can totally see why they ax it. And yeah, of course it sucks. And it goes to show that there are times when physical media is important. Because if you have the disc, then you own it forever. Versus if it's on a store, then you're just essentially borrowing the license from them. And it's right. you're totally under their mercy. So, pros and cons. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's a forward-thinking business strategy for Sony, right? Because they they have that ability to be like, hey, uh, PS Now is way more exciting because we have all this old catalog, right? And then they're not hosting it on those old uh, architectures. And it's probably easier to, um, to just have all in the same place and have everyone be like, oh, look at all these PlayStation games I can play now. My problem with PlayStation Now, though, is it's not really a backwards compatibility solution. It's a, it's more like, it's kind of similar to Game Pass, but where it's a monthly, it's a monthly fee you have to pay for to get a catalog of games. But what happens if I want to play just one specific game? I don't want to, I don't want to have to download, or excuse me, I don't want to have to pay monthly to just play one game, you know? And like Game Pass, it's at least on Game Pass you can download your games and such, but you can also you can also pay those games separately, you know? Like, PlayStation yeah. Now, at least on PS4 and 5 now, if you want to play a PS3 game and you don't have a PS3, you're going to have to pay monthly to play a PS that PS3 game. Yeah, yeah. I definitely wish you could, like, purchase a lot of the games on PS Now individually because I would just do that instead of paying for the subscription. Yeah, yeah. I, be- um, I believe PS Now, it used to be a la carte where you can, like, rent a game but i they changed that model for it to be subscription based i guess no one was really doing the a la carte method 
Oh, I didn't know that it started like that. Yeah, I I I used to play. I played Final Fantasy thirteen two on PlayStation Now, and like it wasn't bad, but it's just I think the a la carte method just wasn't getting enough sales, probably. Yeah, I mean, I think they should have both. Is the thing like I think they should offer a subscription, but also have them accessible to purchase separately. But I just don't think that's going to happen. They're Sony's more focused on the future, but like yeah, new definitely. new games than they are yeah. old yeah. games. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, speaking of the future, right? I think in the future it's going to be kind of cool to see Discord on Microsoft been reported that uh discord has approached microsoft uh to talk about acquisition right and like maybe implementation on their platforms i guess yeah i'm so there's a lot of maybes with this reporting um but i guess especially recently with the articles from bloomberg and tom warren from the verge they're all saying the same thing so i guess this is this feels more credible and because of that i'm as an xbox fan as a pure fanboy like i like this i'm excited because if it costs if this is what it takes to put a disc a discord app (laughs) on the xbox console (sighs) then do it who cares if it costs 10 million dollars just do it microsoft they have the money it's at the end of the day, it's still spare spare change for them. Well, and it's such a better infrastructure than the party chat they have now. Absolutely, and think of all the the millions of people that already have Discord. So, I mean, it's like a the... PR move, right? Like they're they're trying to be the good guy and be like, "Hey, look, all your friends are here now too." Yeah, and you can all play a Game Pass game with them. And it'll be super seamless. And <laughs> the, the idea of that, the potential of that, is right. is good because Xbox they're already trying to blend PC and console together. And if they can bring Discord to console, then it's a huge. It's you don't have to. You don't need some special headset to connect to both. Right both your computer and your console, for example, even though they just put a headset that can do exactly that. Yeah. But instead, you can just join join the, the server on your console and play, play games with your friends. And so the potential of that is awesome. But if you peel back a little bit and you just look at this from your average person's point of view, I guess it could be considered scary because... No one, no one wants every business in the world to be under one giant umbrella. Diver- diversity is good, competition is good, and if if Microsoft is making all these big moves and just gobbling up all these services and companies, then it could be seen as frightening. And I guess their fears are warranted with, I guess, what happened to Skype, and people have, I guess, have bad opinion of microsoft teams and i guess those are fair those are fair statements to make so the people are nervous on the other side of it because of how they handled skype that Uh, was a that was a different time for microsoft though wasn't it 
I, I suppose, like, right? But I don't think that that's really changed a whole lot as a Microsoft thing. An Xbox thing, yeah. If this is an Xbox move, 100%, I can. I feel like it's going to be a good thing, right? If it's a Microsoft move, uh, I'm a little nervous because of how they've, like, after they've acquired different companies, they've kind of just binned a lot of them, and you don't really see innovation or anything change with those. They kind of just grow stagnant, you know? So, Microsoft, they did, after acquiring Skype, they did improve it. The, the, the problem was that they, I guess they just didn't market it as well. And then, how, however, there are counterexamples. I guess the easiest one is, uh, let's say they bought Minecraft, right? And they made that explode in popularity by just putting it on every platform possible and giving it all the support it could possibly need. But um, remember, they also acquired GitHub, which is you know a platform for computer science people, and that has only been going strong this whole time. So it's not all doom and gloom for for companies that are acquired by Microsoft. So GitHub, you want to explain that for people who don't know? GitHub is basically a place where you can share your code. If you build build a program, I guess you can just basically make your project publicly available for anyone to see. And the purpose of that is so it's a collaborative environment. If everyone's sharing with each other and building off of each other, then then what can only happen is that better products are made. So, so yeah, similar I think that's to a like Google Drive. Then? Yes, a Google Drive that anyone on the internet can search up. I guess. Okay, so it's like a public domain kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, Ark, why don't you take the, the next topic here? Uh, sure. I just wanna I just wanna say something about the Microsoft buying Discord thing. I, I just wanna point out that ten billion dollars is more than what Microsoft paid for Bethesda. So uh, I I'm I'm really wondering if this is like a Xbox like deal or a Microsoft buying Discord kind of deal. Cause ten billion, that's a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> <Especially, laughs> Yeah, yeah, they were twice what uh, Disney bought Star Wars for. Yeah. And oh, that's crazy. Yeah, it's a lot of money. So Microsoft is like really on a buying spree lately. So if, if this deal does go down, hopefully they can integrate into Xbox Live. So it's like a default party chat or if not, like just a basic app or anything. Because playing playing games that are cross-platform gets cut the voice chat gets kind of hard because your only choice really is discord and like it, it gets kind of cumbersome because then you'll have to have one earphone for the game and another earphone yeah. for your phone or laptop or whatever you use discord on so if they had like a dedicated app on both on all the consoles that'd be great just having one headset and you're good to go but uh let me see here for the switch pro so our next news topic is about the switch pro um, Actually, Wait, I thought we... about the Xbox Live rebranding. Yeah, it's like... Oh, I'm sorry I completely missed over that. Yeah. Um, the I Xbox guess we don't have Live... a ton to say about that, but sorry. All right. Yeah. Um, okay, so... 
I guess Microsoft is they're, they're starting to rebrand Xbox Live to the Xbox Network. Uh, according to The Verge, instances of the new branding started to appear on the dashboard recently for the new beta testers, uh, with clips being uploaded to Xbox Network instead of Xbox Live. And then Microsoft went out and confirmed the change for it. Um, I guess they're referring to the network as like the new Xbox online services to to differentiate between live and uh, excuse me to differentiate between live gold and the network itself. Um, to me, I don't really think this is a big news. I this is this isn't really like too yeah, but it's sort of related really to like the the Microsoft what? kind of news here. Yeah, um, I just I just wanted to say because I think they're what they're saying now is that Xbox Live Gold is going to be you know what we have currently. It's going to be your paid tier, what, what instead of that, and then the Xbox quote unquote network is just going to be what the whole service is just is just uh, known as. So kind of like how PlayStation, how it's like the PlayStation Network is the whole thing, and then PlayStation Plus is just a paid service. Um. The overall, and then there's the sub. Yeah, exactly. So not yeah, really much is gonna change on this, honestly. That that's yeah. just sort of related, right? It was just kind of included, but like, it just kind of shows that they're just making huge moves this generation, at least. They're actually starting to do these big shifts and hopefully it's for the better right yeah i guess people i guess people get what you're kind of confused saying like oh you need xbox live xbox live on pc but you really don't so i guess it's just right it gets just a whole rebranding you know mixed messages like oh i can play on the pc for free what what's the deal with uh xbox you're the same yeah. company <laughs> well yeah, so it does a... sorry finish uh... Yeah, it's not re- it's not really huge news, really. I th- I think people were looking at too much into it, saying like, "Oh, Xbox Live is going away," but it's really not, you know. I don't think it's anything more than a name change. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Well, I almost disagree because I think this connects really well to their their up- upcoming upcoming feature where you don't need Xbox Live Gold to play. Free to play games anymore, or to have party chat. I mean, it's, it's like all about related, right? But yep. do you think they want a new name for it? Is that why, like, they want it to be separated from the past one where you had to pay? I think so. Yeah. So just to clarify what Gaff is talking about, um, on Twitter, the Xbox Insider Twitter account, they posted an update on the twenty fourth, on March twenty fourth, stating that uh, that the alpha skip and uh, the alpha, yeah, excuse me. That Xbox insiders who are in the alpha skip ahead and the alpha t- in the alpha testing um, that they're flighting some new features for them for free to play multiplayer games LFG and party chat on Xbox no longer requiring Xbox Live Gold. So I assume that they're gonna roll those out soon for 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 the general public. Um, this this does what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, this does like um go back to what they were talking about uh, earlier in the year where they increased the Xbox Live Gold pricing and then rolled it back and also stated they're making free-to-play games free. So, But is it free if you have to subscribe to Game Pass Ultimate? What if this Discord thing... They'll give you Discord, right? <laughs> Included on them, but you have to be a, a Game Pass subscriber. So I think that's it, something separate, to be honest. Um, Go ahead, Gap. You're going to say something? I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to reduce the relevancy of the brand that is Xbox Live 
and they're starting this by uh, removing it from removing it as a necessary thing to have. And so, obviously, these free to play games and party chat apps, like, that's the first, first step in all this. And I think what a lot of people are, are hoping and predicting is that Xbox Live will just fade away entirely. And the only thing you'll have to pay for is Game Pass. So I, I, I say this, I mean, you'll no longer need Xbox Live to play Call of Duty multiplayer or Halo multiplayer. You'll, the only thing you'll need to spend money on credit card for is, I guess, you know, buying games and just Game Pass. And it wouldn't have to be Game Pass Ultimate anymore, I guess, just because answer, right? just yeah. call it Game Pass. Yeah, I I think X, they they ultimately in the long run they want to get rid of gold and just have everyone on Game Pass Ultimate. I mean that's why you know they increased the price uh back in the early in the year. They want to move everyone to Game Pass Ultimate for those uh subscription numbers. Um, but I I think that was the wrong way to do it. You know, increasing definitely. the price almost double was definitely not the right move to do. And yeah. then uh, yeah, I I think it's just about time that free to play games don't really re- don't need to require gold. Because it is kind of ridiculous that you had to pay for games that were like, like say Fortnite or Apex Legends, for example, that you had to yeah. pay for Xbox Live Gold on Xbox, but they were free to play on PlayStation and even Nintendo. And we all know yeah. how Nintendo's online works. So and Nintendo lives in the Stone Age when it comes to online infrastructure. <laughs> so yeah, I think it, this this is a change that should have happened a long time ago. Like even back on the 360, you had to pay Xbox Live Gold just to watch Netflix. That was a ridiculous thing you had to do. They changed that eventually. Oh, yeah. But I remember that. And using anything that's free should have never required gold. So it, it, it's a it's a change that is, should have happened a long time ago, but it's, a, it's good that's finally happening. I mean, it's long overdue, just like the Switch Pro, right? Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's I don't know if the Switch Pro is long overdue, but yeah, someone that's been trying to play Persona Five Strikers on the Switch, it definitely needs an upgrade. So it is overdue. I agree with you. Uh, I mean, yeah. yeah. I don't know. <laughs> They're gonna milk it as long as they can. So. Does someone else have access to this article? Because uh, Bloomberg wants a subscription, and I don't want to pay that. I don't know if I really even need to get that into it, honestly. <laughs> yeah. It's more of a rumor, right? And then there have been plenty of those about the Switch Pro coming out. I'm just yeah. gonna wait for the announcement, to be honest. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put any credence to this because it just doesn't. I don't know. I don't think it's well, worthwhile to mention. I do think a Switch Pro is coming, but just give me the announcement at this point. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. Um, Go ahead, Gaff, before I keep continuing. I think there's more credibility to the story than you guys seem to think, because earlier this year, Bloomberg reported saying Nintendo, of course, everyone's been saying Nintendo's been working on a Switch Pro for years now, but Bloomberg specifically, they've been the ones giving more technical details, and they've all been pretty consistent. Last time they said, the last report that they put out it said that the new Switch model would have would have Samsung 4K OLED screens, and that detail is still being kept here. And just, just a clarification, it wasn't uh the the console itself is not gonna have a 4K screen. It it will have OLED. It's still 720p, but oh yeah, the yes, reports right, are sorry. saying it, it's gonna be 
They're gonna it's gonna upscale to 4K on the dock. Yes, yeah, right. And then back then, people were, were thinking, how how is Switch gonna output 4K if if it still such has a mobile chip for its graphics card? And then we get this article, which further bolsters their earlier report. So they'll have they'll have it. They still have an NVIDIA chip that's capable of DLL, DLSS, which I think stands for Deep Learning Super Sampling. And that is a feature in modern NVIDIA cards that will basically give you a free boost in your, your game's performance. So this could be what allows the Switch to output 4K graphics, like they said earlier. And... Software acceleration. Yeah, yeah. It's like super crazy tech, uh, in my opinion. And AMD is only like beginning to put out a similar feature in their cards. But like back to the topic at hand, I think I think this is for real. And the earlier article they said they would begin production in June and possibly be out for a holiday release. And I, I think that's super super exciting because that puts that lines it up to to hopefully release the switch pro alongside breath of the wild 2 and so it all comes back full circle this the original mm-hmm. switch launch with the original breath of the wild and so they're gonna throw out their, their new their the latest and greatest game on their new console and it's gonna look great and it's gonna run great like that's just that's a recipe for greatness right there. I'll yeah. be right, guys. That, that, that that excites me, but I I I just don't think I'll be buying a switch like another model of a switch anytime soon. Like I I'm pretty satisfied with what the I, switch is giving me right now. Still, I still can't believe that it's already been four years since the switch launched. Like I it know. feels it feels like just like it came out last year to me. It's because there haven't been enough games. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. But uh, for your console that runs like a ten-year-old console, I, know, I right? think I think depending on the yeah, price, yeah. I might upgrade. Um, because <laughs> um, recently, like a lot of Switch games have been having like not so good performance, to be honest. Yes. yes. Like Hy- Hyrule Warriors: Age of Calamity, that game, for being like, I guess. It's not really a first-party Nintendo game, but it is a Nintendo like licensed game using the Zelda IP. That game does not run great, and and, and like even even Apex other Legends. games. Oh yeah, Apex. Well, Apex Legends. I mean, who would play it on the Switch? Don't play it on the Switch. It's not a good experience. Do not do. But it. I mean, a lot of games are just not running well on the Switch recently, and like I feel like. That's not okay, especially for Nintendo first parties. Like, they they want that quality there, and so I feel like a sw- it's it's. I don't want to say it's about time for a Switch Pro, but like, it's about I, time. Okay, it's it's, it's something, <laughs> it's something that's like needed. And yeah, I like, guess I, I, I guess I just use my Switch for like I what I use my Switch for is playing like older games. Like, the last new game I played on the Switch was. I think, like, Smash, I mean, Smash Bros, but, like, and I played Odyssey, and I played Zelda. I haven't played any of, like, the more recent games, so I guess I wouldn't know about the performance issues, but... So, first party, right? 
here's the thing. First party is always going to run super well on Switch. That's probably why you're not seeing it. The third party stuff is more what we're talking about. Um, and it, a lot of it just kind of runs not great right now. The newer stuff. I mean, even some first party games, like the resolution dips to like below 720p. Especially like on dock mode. Like some of it gets really bad. Like Xenoblade Chronicles but right, 2 and Definitive Edition. Yeah, like the, the resolutions are not great, to be honest. Like, I don't have a problem with it, but I can see a lot of other people having problems with it. And then uh, recently, Monster Hunter Rise that just came out, and I, I did pick it up today at Walmart. I did cave in. Um, nice. I'm, I am going to be playing that probably soon. But uh, I heard the resolution on that goes below, I think it hits 576p on handheld and docked, I believe. I'm, don't quote me on that. But then again, the game still does look pretty good because it is on the RE engine, and that game, for for being on the Switch, looks pretty damn well. So uh, I guess it's I guess it's just a balance a balance of the two. But a Switch Pro would make a lot of those games a lot better. I'll give another example, which is Super Mario, Super Mario 3D World, which is a Wii U port, might I remind you, and on uh, on docked. It's 720p, 30fps, and docked is 1080p, 60fps. And I'm just wondering, why is it, why is the frame rate change? Why is it not 60fps? Why, why is your, why is this hardware that is supposed to be objectively better than your previous console? Why can, why can it not run, run at 60 frames? But that's just me. Yeah. Before we move on to the t- move on to the next topic, I just want to pose like one question to you guys. Um, a lot of the reports have been saying that it might cost like around four hundred dollars. Do you think that's like an okay price for a Switch Pro? Because at that point, you're hitting PS4 territory, or excuse me, PS5 digital edition territory, and like for a hundred dollars less, you can also get an Xbox Series S, and then for a hundred dollars more, you can get a Series X and a PS5 disc. Like, how would you feel about a four hundred dollars Switch Pro? Too much. I would pay three hundred. Right. Maybe three fifty. But four hundred. The price of the other stuff, or what? What's that? They just lower the price of the other stuff, then. Of the other stuff. So the original model and the the light, right? Yeah. So for context, the original model is still three hundred dollars. There was never a price change, and the light is two hundred. So yeah, maybe maybe they can. Needs to come down there. I mean, either that. I think, could, I think you could keep the light at two hundred though. Yeah, what what I think is that they either they drop the prices of each model by a hundred dollars, or hmm. they discontinue the original model and replace it with the pro instead. I think so, that's the play. Yeah, yeah I think I think that would be better because like, I don't know how many people would want to be buying the original Switch when there's a pro. And I, I just think 400 is too much. Yeah. Well, to give you a perspective from north of the border, the, the regular Switch costs already 400 <laughs> And, and so this new Switch Ooh, would, would cost 599 And yeah, a regular Switch right now costs the same as an Xbox Series S. And like, I would say that the Series S is the better deal currently. I mean, just because yeah, you can play all would... the next-gen games and you have Game Pass. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I agree. Game Pass, probably. It is a steep ask, but 
I know Nintendo hasn't exactly been killing it these past two years, with the exception of Animal Crossing. But if they're really saving all the heavy hitters for the Switch Pro, then I can see it matching the value of of a PS5. That's my that's my take. Do do with it what you will. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll the see. Value of a- <laughs> It's a bit of a stretch, man. And I don't know. And especially with the Metroid Prime. Let, 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 let me let me say a piece, okay? Metroid Prime Four, Pikmin Four, Pokemon Legends Arceus, Breath of the Wild Two. Uh, they, they gotta make an Odyssey sequel. I I think those are some. I think those are bangers. Odyssey sequel, please. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I and it all it all just over Returnal, you know, for the the, yeah. the, the five. Okay, it I'm it done. all just depends. It all just depends on what type of games you play. Like, if those games don't interest you, then obviously, it's not going to be that much that big of a value to you. Yeah. But if they do, then yeah, obviously, it's going to be more valuable. Like right now, the PS Five do- doesn't have many games to offer. So, but going yeah. forward, it's going to. And I'm super mm-hmm. excited. I, I do want to get um, uh, Sam's opinion on the next one. I know you want to stop down, Sam, but I want to get your opinion on this because I think you probably have the most time with the, the actual game on this. Um, but I guess uh, there's talks for a Ghost of Tsushima movie. Um, I, because, what, are, what are your guys' opinions? I have the same reaction to this as I do with any video game movie that's announced. Why? Why, 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 why? I have not watched a video game movie and been like, yay, this is fun. Like, they're literally, you're, you're taking something away from the from the property. Like, you're taking interaction away. And just, so you're just watching it, opposed to being able to interact with it. It's like, every time I see a video game movie, I'm like, I just wish I was playing a game. Like, it, it I don't know. It, it seems like, you can go the other way where you make a movie into a video game because you're adding something to it. You're adding interaction, but going the other way for me is just does not work most of the time. Um, so I'm a little like, like why? And especially a game that literally just came out last year and they're already making plans for a movie. just seems kind of jumping ahead of it a little bit. Well, since it's happening anyway, how would if if say you were the director of this movie <laughs> how would you how do you foresee this movie playing out all right well first of all it needs to be in japanese if this movie is not in japanese <laughs> i like fully, will fully be voiced not voiced like, like yeah. japanese fully voiced yeah. and if you want to watch it uh subtitles um i just think that will add, add to it if it's in Japanese. Um, and I am an advocate for, um, like, I really like when, I don't know, it's just, add, you're, you're taking something away if you're not, if it's not going to be in Japanese. It's not going to be as engrossing in the culture if it's all English when these are samurai they didn't speak English. Mm-hmm. They so spoke it's just Japanese. Like, so they I'm need to be guys, speaking Japanese. Right. It, it reminds me of the movie with Leo DiCaprio, right? Where it was all in a different language. 
but it it actually meant something to have it all in the language and subtitled yeah, yeah. because it felt re- more real, right? Yeah, and I I am a I am definitely a subs over dubs. I hate dubs. I hate them very much. I can't look at someone's mouth moving and not matching the words that are coming out. Um, so subtitles don't bother me at all. I have them on when I play most video games just because the way my ears work, I need I need them because sometimes I'll miss out on something that someone says. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Parasite, um, but I mean, that's one of my favorite movies in the past, like, 10 years, and that was all subtitles um, because it was in Korean. Um, so that that is, like, the one thing that I really, really, really hope this movie does is have it in Japanese. Did you play Ghost of Tsushima? Didn't they have an option to have it in Japanese? Uh, yes, they did. Um, and I played it in Japanese. Um, and it was it also made it black and white. Well, you didn't, you didn't have to, but um, it was like the old samurai movies then. Yeah, I'm yeah, trying to think. Wasn't it called the Kurosawa mode? I think it was. Yeah, something like that. It made it. Yeah, it made it black and white. And um, I well, I I actually didn't play the whole thing because the problem with that mode is that a lot of the there's a lot of things that are like. In, like quests or whatever that you'll do and it'll say the blue flowers like trying to guide you to where you're supposed to go but if it's in black and white you can't see that the flowers are blue oh. so so i was like <laughs> yeah i can't play this completely in black and white um but yeah i really appreciated that they made that like an accessible feature um to have it on japanese so it's like a this really, is like really an... cool extenuation of of that uh vision right like it, it was clearly something they wanted to include uh so maybe this is why this is happening with it you know yeah and i mean i just don't i don't know what what what's the story gonna be like is it just gonna be the the game because if that's the case then what like there's no point just i mean i guess it might make it you know more accessible to people that don't play video games but i don't know it just seems kind of like a weird decision to me but oh it's like the uncharted movie sorry go ahead yeah oh god <laughs> yeah like the uncharted movie but i think that's going to be a disaster but i uh i think this is the potential to be different because i think they've had so many studios have had a new vision for their movies which which and that vision doesn't apply to uncharted because that was too early in the making but this could be different so what i want to ask sam is how, how would you condense like what this 60 hour story into a two hour movie well see that's my question are they just gonna like are they just if they're just gonna do the game story then that's gonna be hard to do in a movie hbo series please and yeah that's the thing i if you're gonna do a video game like and take it into a different medium you need it needs to be a a tv show movies just have not worked um and i don't think they will work for the anything most part. with a with a good plot in a video game will not work in a two hour movie. Yeah, it's just yeah. too it it's just too condensed of a time. Um so yeah I don't I honestly don't think it's possible to fit the story of this game 
into a movie without losing something that's very very important and and a lot a part of this game like a lot of it is your interaction with the game so um on whether you're gonna you know kill people or not well i mean i guess you really kind of have to kill a lot of people anyway but um but yeah it i don't know this strikes me as just a weird decision that see and, and it seems way too soon like, yeah that like was like that, the game that caught me off guard like how early yeah the game how... came out yeah half a year ago yeah and, or like more i guess at this point more than six months but still not not even a year ago and they're already like hey we're making a movie it's like okay <laughs> cool yeah i'm I just surprised totally... oh, oh go ahead guess no, you go ahead first. No, nah, I was gonna. Okay, fine. I can totally imagine. Uh, let's say this movie comes out in 2023. I can totally foresee it's gonna be this, like, art art piece where it's black and white, fully voiced in fully Japanese, even though it's an American production, and there's gonna be <laughs> maybe one line of dialogue for every like seven minutes, and it's gonna be a lot of long takes of some meaningful stares into into the, the windy landscape. Bro, and... give me give me a modern day samurai like Kurosawa movie. Make it like mostly yeah, silent, yeah. please. Like that might work. Yeah. And like think of how dope it would be to have that kind of that level of pretentious movie with the the Sony Studios logo in front of it. That <laughs> Yeah. I, I, just, can, uh... <laughs> I, I just can imagine don't... the headline as like first big win for uh, <sighs> Asian American cinema with Ghost of Tsushima, uh, made by so- Sony Studios, and then it's going to be nominated for all these Oscars because the Oscars they want to you know promote their inclusivity. If and they do not, sorry, if they I do just... not have a Japanese cast, it's a non-starter. Uh, oh, yeah, you're gonna yeah, say yeah. something real quick. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say I'm just like surprised. Like Sony's kind of like churning out these like video game to TV to movie properties. Cause a couple couple years, well, I guess Uncharted was the first one, but like that's been in development for a while now. I guess it's finally coming out soon. But then after that, they had like Ratchet and Clank, which didn't do so well. Then they announced the the uh, Last of Us Two H or just Last of Us in general HBO series, and now we have uh. And then no, then they also have Twisted Metal TV show as well. I forgot where that's going, but apparently that's also a thing. And now that they have Ghost of Tsushima too, like they're really starting to ramp up their their video game to movie or TV properties. So I'm like kind of curious and like how those are gonna do because Ratchet and Clank didn't do so well. But then we also have like, but then also like we have movies like De- De- Detective Pikachu and Sonic the Hedgehog that actually. Did fairly well, I guess. People actually liked them. So I'm just those, are all, those are pretty all right. Yeah, th- those weren't Sony, of course not. But I just, I'm just wondering, like, where Sony's gonna land on the, on those like kind of movies and TV shows. I just uh, Sam, sorry, go ahead. The, the, this game, so much of it, it's like narrative is structured around your choices of how you play the game, and I that will will not hit the same as in the movie form without the player's interaction. 
Isn't it like a it, big game about the feeling, like and atmosphere that you get by being in that game? Yeah, yeah, like, the wind blows. I, I definitely think they could like replicate the atmosphere of the game, but like, not to like spoil it too much, but like, a lot of the game is, um, you you as the player kind of struggling with wanting wanting to be a samurai, but transforming into some into the ghost of Tsushima, like somebody that doesn't really follow the laws and um. Uh, of like the laws of the samurai um and so that de- kind of depends on how you play the game and what like skills you use and stuff like that um and, and a movie can't replicate that it would be very very hard to i don't see a way they could there's no agency with the movie yeah exactly that that's why i don't think most video game movies work cuz you're taking you're taking something away and that's the you're taking away the agency, the interaction that the player has with the with the game. Well, what if what if they don't try to replicate the story? What if this is a, a different story within the Ghost of Tsushima universe? Would people even care as much about it then? That's good. the thing. Why? Why not just make a samurai movie? Why? Why is it got to be called <laughs> Ghost of Tsushima? A Japanese samurai movie. You're right. Like, like I don't. <laughs> that's what I don't get. Like, like there's well, no does, way. Does the main character I, in the game have like like special powers? And could that no. apply to like someone else? No, he's just a dude. I mean, oh, really? He's a samurai. Okay. He's he's just a samurai. Like he doesn't have. Like there's not real. Well, I mean, there's. They, does they he kind have of... that eagle vision that's like in Assassin's Creed? Um. Trying to think if there's eagle vision. I swear he has this like. I think there is. Pulse, but see yeah, that, that's the thing. They 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 do make like there are some like fantastical elements and stuff, and there's like these side missions that are like the legends of different samurai and like their powers and stuff like that. But for the most part, when it's like narrative based, it's mostly like he's he's a samurai. But there definitely is like fantastical elements mixed in. Well, I just, I mean, obviously, I wanted to want this movie to be good, and yeah, yeah, I want it like, to be good. <laughs> this and Last of Us, I hope it really ushers in a whole era of video game movies in a way that Detective Pikachu and Sonic, I mean, they're good, and I expect we'll get more movies like those. But I, I like more serious properties too. Like, I'm super hyped about Last of Us HBO, especially after having played the game like this last summer, because. Uh, Neil Druckmann, he's he's participating in the production, and also the 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 guy from Ghost of Tsushima, like they're they're involved in this this too, which I guess it's what distinguishes this from maybe a past attempt at making a video game movie, yeah. where the people that made the game are intimately involved in these movies, and the, the guy the showrunner for Last of the Show is Craig Mazin, I believe that's how you pronounce his name, and he. He made Chernobyl, which is a 10 out of 10 HBO show. And the casting looks phenomenal with Pedro Pascal and I, th- I, f- I forget the the girl's name. She's from Game uh, of Thrones. I think it's Bella something, but mm-hmm. like the, the show seems to 
have a good foundation. So I'm optimistic about that. And I don't know, Sony, they're, they haven't really missed so far. And I think, I think they have what it takes to make a good, good movie, despite all of your concerns, Sam. Yeah. I mean, let, I, I hope it's good. I think it still can be good. I'm just, I don't need it. Like, it's not something I need. So, we'll see. Uh, I don't need it, but I think we do need some of these games from the ID at Xbox showcase that was going on. Nice. From IGN, we have over 20 ID at Xbox games that are landing day one on Xbox Game Pass. Um, and there was a lot of games shown. It was like a three to four hour video. Uh, there's some keepers in this list here. I don't know if you guys have it up, but um, does any one of these stick out to you at all that you check out some? Um, so I know yesterday me and you were talking about, what was it, The Ascent, I believe is what it's called. Um, yeah, it's uh, the four like a... co-op uh, dungeon crawler kind of cyberpunk thing. Yeah, and it's like, um, it, it reminded me of uh, Diablo and uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance and stuff like that, because it's like top-down, kind of top-down. Um, and yeah, it's co-op with, I think, three or four people. Um, and it's even got like this different colored rings around the person to uh, distinguish who's controlling who. It looks really interesting, and it, yeah, it, it looks... It looks like a really cool cyberpunk um, aesthetic that it's going for. How about you, Ark? Did you just see any in there that kind of catch your eye? Not really. I'm not like the biggest indie guy. And that's kind of a shame for me because I know there's like a lot of great indies out there. It's just that I also have a whole lot of other games to play as well. Um, the Like the only really big indies I've played were like Transistor and Hades and like I would cons I would even consider those like indie indie. I would say like more like a triple A indie, you know what I mean? Like they're like they're so big that they're becoming like a, a higher echelon just indie itself. But uh I do like how all these indie games are gonna be on Game Pass day one. Like like it just sets the example that Game Pass is still the best deal in gaming, be it triple A or indie. Yeah, I agree with that. I just wish the Game Pass... I wish they were all cloud console and PC is the only thing I have to say about that. But Yeah. Though, I think... I didn't watch the actual showcase itself, but from what I heard, I did it. The, pr the production of it didn't go all that well. Something about the host talking too much and there, there being, like, minutes of gameplay, but, like double that for double amount of time dedicated to the host just talking around not and the host apparently weren't even like that well informed about the content of the games themselves that sounds like a like a bit of a yikes <laughs> but whatever games are games and they're there yeah i guess uh rust is coming to console in may as well that was one of the, another one of the big tidbits from that And people were excited about Stalker 2, right? Um, which I guess isn't as far along as people 
would like. Also a bit of a hubbub about DSi not, not having a release date yet also, despite being shown last year. Yeah, COVID kind of messed with a lot of production on that. Yeah, well, I'm assuming COVID just just uh, messes with production about with everything, really. Yeah, I'm willing so, to get the benefit of the doubt. For sure. Um, a few that I took away from here. Uh, Nobody Saves the World, which is like a dungeon-crawling action RPG where you use like <clears throat> different forms and uh, it's from the Drinkbox Studios, which made Guacamelee, Guacamelee 2. Uh, so, good history with them, so that one's kind of exciting. I think that's coming up this year. Yeah, I don't have much experience with these, these small yeah, ideas. Me neither. But, I mean, I, obviously I do recognize some, like... Uh, while the heart is I definitely seen that name thrown around. Uh and like you said Rush. I know Hello Neighbor too, right? So that's that's got some popularity with people. Yep, yep. Yeah, I can never have too many games, so right. <laughs> the more the more the merrier. So the one I really I was interested in was this like uh Craftopia, right? What was that like? So it's a it's described as a multiplayer survival action game that features hunting, farming, and it's got hack and slash combat, building, and automation. So like you can use a bunch of like apparently one of the things is you can use a bunch of cows on a treadmill to uh to make like juice or something. Hmm. But it was cool because it's got like a Breath of the Wild esque art style um, with a lot of different elements to it. It's got a glider feature and it's got like a capture feature where you can go and capture creatures. So it's got a little bit of Pokemon vibes in it too. Oh, you're right. It does look like. This looks like what Pokemon. What Pokemon should have been. <laughs> that's exactly my thought, yeah. That's why, that's why I'm interested in this one. What the heck? Well, good for them. They did. They're doing Pokemon better than Game Freak ever did, so. or probably will. Yeah, that's a. I don't know if that's a lofty task. No, no shade to them, but they haven't really been innovating in Pokemon, so I get, I'm not super surprised there. Okay, should we move on to the main topic? And yeah, so, I think so. So, so, Sam, so Sam can give his top five list before he has to run out. Oh yeah, I can do that. Um. So yeah, so, main topic is uh just I th yeah. we're going we're gonna go through our each go through our list of uh five favorite games um just so we can kind of get an idea of you know how what what type of games we each like and stuff like that um so yeah um my list begins with my fifth favorite game I'll start with number five and countdown so my fifth one is uh The Witcher Three Wild Hunt. Um, and I believe someone else had this on their list. Um, yeah, yeah I had it on my list. Um, I didn't yeah, put mine in order, but it's definitely right. up there for me. Yeah, I just really love this game. Um, 
I really love like fantasy and this just does it so well in so many different ways. Um, whether it's the main game or um, Blood and Wine, the DLC in particular, um, does this just really cool high fantasy uh, or not fa- high fantasy, more like uh, like a kind of grim fairy tale. Dark, dark fantasy, yeah. super Norse kind of things. Well, yeah, that, that that yeah, it does that in the main game with um, when you go to Skellige. But uh, have you played Blood and Wine Polar? Yeah, it's a based around the vampire kind of arc, right? Yeah, and it's super like grim fairy tale type thing, where it's like this, you know, cat, this giant fantasy castle. Uh, with like a princess and stuff like that, um, and it's like super dark uh, with the vampires and stuff like that. But yeah, that game just—I've played through it twice, and both times was just an absolute blast. I know that the gameplay isn't like perfect by any means; it's pretty kind of janky, especially when you're trying to just you know run around as Geralt. Um, but the quests in that game are fantastic and how they all like kind of interconnect with each other and with the main with the main quest even like all the side quests kind of have some sort of um connection to the main quest and they all kind of branch together um and obviously the monster hunts are really cool but yeah uh that's number 5 for me um Number four is a much, much smaller game, um, and it's Portal 2. Um, I don't know if any of you have played Portal 2, but... I have. Yep, great game. Yeah, I mean, it's essentially just a perfect puzzle game. It is so, so fun. And just, just like, messing around with the portal gun. um, Like, yeah, you can get distracted by just doing that, just messing around with it, opposed to, like, actually trying to to figure out what you're supposed to do um it's one it's one of the few puzzle games where i never had to look up like a guide or anything because <laughs> i just wanted to keep messing around trying to figure out what i was supposed to do opposed to look 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 something up um because usually when i play puzzle games i like i don't know i just feel kind of dumb because i can't okay. figure something out and a lot of them a lot of them aren't fun to try to figure out I guess, but Portal 2 and, and Portal, the first one as well. Um, it's just so much fun, like, just shooting portals around, trying to figure out exactly how to move on. Um, did you play it single player, or did you play with a partner? Uh, I played it single player. Um, I, I should try to get my brother to play that game with me, because that would probably be really fun. Um, yeah, that's number four. Um, number three is Red Dead Redemption. Whoop. On this, I have Red Dead Redemption, but it's Red Dead Redemption 2. Uh, um, okay. This game is so fucking good. Like, the world, and I've never felt more at peace just, like, fishing in a video game. And hunting. And robbing banks. And just doing the main the main like story trying to get your your gain like food and resources and stuff like that upgrading your camp it is just i i put a lot of time in this game i played it last year um 
on my PS4, which it almost exploded when I tried playing it on that. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> but man, this I was just completely enthralled in this game for like probably two months, and yeah, it is fantastic. Everything. I don't know. It's not one of my favorite, but it definitely. I feel like a, a cowboy, right? Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. exactly. Like I, the brawling scene, especially, is one of my favorite. Where we lose Lenny, right? Oh yeah, where you're and drunk. There's just, yeah. there's just duplicates <laughs> of Lenny, right? And everyone's Lenny at that point, and you're just going around, yeah. and you're trying, Lenny. Yeah. And, and where'd you go? Thing. It it combines like this beautifully massive open world. Um, that is so detailed with a fantastic story um, and fan- like fantastic characters that I really started to care about um, very quickly into this game. Lenny was like one of my favorite characters in the game. Oh, for sure. Um, and yeah, it is just beautiful storytelling. Um, and the music, oh my god, the music is so good. Okay, yeah, I would have to say it's probably my favorite soundtrack from that year, honestly. Yeah, it is absolutely incredible. I mean, it's fucking Willie Nelson's in it, so. <laughs> um, well, how do you, how do you respond to the criticisms where people say it's almost so immersive that it's not fun anymore? Where it's like, so people have like, so, say, yeah, like the game is like trying I, to fight you. So I experienced that the first time i tried playing it um because it's like god damn it i fucking fell off my horse again like this isn't fucking fun but um then i tried again try tried it to play it again and um i don't know something just clicked in me and i fell in love and it's not i feel like you have to approach this game not trying to rush your way through it um and it because it's a very slow, methodical game um, that really makes you think about like everything you're doing, and I just loved that about it. I know it's not; it's definitely not for everybody. Um, and like it, yeah, the gameplay isn't perfect by any means, but I mean, it just makes you feel like a cowboy, and that is something that, like, if if they could, if there was a game like this that can make you feel like a pirate as much as this game makes me feel like a cowboy game over like <laughs> that would be the best game ever made because i love pirates so sea of thieves <laughs> comes close um but yeah i i definitely understand where people are coming from with their criticisms because it's definitely like very slow paced and in a world full of games that are like you know kind of button smashy and fat like fast action pace games this is definitely sticks out and definitely is not for everybody um but it is definitely for me (laughs) uh so yeah number three so uh number two is by no means the second best game ever made but goddamn, do I love it, is Skyrim. Um, so I didn't play this game at release. I actually kind of, like, resisted my my brother's uh, persuasive attempts to get me to play this game. 
this is back when I mainly stuck to like uh, sports games and stuff like that. I wasn't really into games that much. Um, but then as soon as I started playing it, there was no going back. I <laughs> this is easily the game I have put the most amount of hours into, like by several hundred. <laughs> uh, I have. Yeah, I, I just love everything about it. It gives you so much freedom to just do whatever you want, just mess around like what with whatever you want, and then also mods just enhance that even more. I think I'm in the same boat with uh, Mark when I say like I don't really I didn't really get into Skyrim. I loved Oblivion. I don't know what it was about Skyrim. It just was rubbed me the wrong way, I guess. I don't know. Oh, yeah. way, but like I just played the main story. I played some side quests. I did you know, I went into those caves that loaded every time and <sighs> talked to the the freaking dark elves that are mm -hmm. always cranky. And then I went down to the the Dwemer dungeons, and I did a lot of the stuff in the game. But like, I just wasn't enjoying it as much as everyone was saying that I like should have been. I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe I didn't yeah. do it the right way, or my expectations were somehow higher than that. Yeah. See, so like, so this was the first game I played in the series, um, so I never had, I didn't hadn't played Oblivion or Morrowind or anything, um, before this, but I think I'm glad I did because I agree. I don't know. I think if I played Oblivion before I played Skyrim, I don't know that I would have liked Skyrim as much as I do, um, just because it takes away a lot of like the RPG elements of the game, it just kind of lets you do whatever the hell you want to do. Yeah, uh, but. I like that about it because it just gives you the freedom. Like you don't have to worry about like sticking to where you spend your skill points, where you, yeah. Like you can yeah. just do whatever you want. And I love, I, I love that about the game. Um, and I love oblivion too. Like it's def oblivion is not top 10 just because of how kind of janky it is. And I mean, Skyrim's janky too, but, um, but yeah, this game introduced me to it. It, the Elder Scrolls is probably my favorite fantasy world. Like, I love Lord of the Rings. Um, but so I'll agree. I, I just think I've spent way more time in the Elder Scrolls world. So I I love it. And, I like, after I played Skyrim for a thousand plus hours, I played Morrowind and Oblivion both several times. Uh and so, yeah, that's why Skyrim's definitely my number two. And if it wasn't for my number one, it would be number one. But my number one is Mass Effect 2. Um, I know, Polar, you haven't played this game, right? So you've only played the so, first one. Yeah, I have, I've only played the one and Andromeda, right? So I missed out on two and three. I didn't get the yeah. whole craziness around three that made them change the ending and patch it and all that. I guess two had the best like character development in it. Yeah. So, uh, Gaff or Ark, have you played? Either of you played the Mass Effect two? Um, I've played a bit of Mass Effect two when it was I, like they gave it away for free on uh, EA Origin or whatever on PC a while back, and I grabbed it. Mm -hmm. Um, I haven't gotten really too far in it, and I I kind of like. At, at one point, I do want to go back and like try the Mass Effect games because like I know that everyone loves them. Yeah, and I, just, I mean you—you yeah. have the opportunity soon because the legendary edition. Yeah, 
That's where I'm hoping to play it for the first time as well. And one is apparently going to be way improved with like the load times and the makeup and stuff. Oh yeah, I'm that. That's the one that I'm like, like I don't know that they can't really improve much on two and three as far as like gameplay goes, um, and even like visually since they're sticking with Unreal Three, um, there's not much that they can do there. Obviously, it will definitely look better. Um, but yeah, one is definitely the one where it's like. I'm excited to get into that and see what improvements they made. But uh, anyway, Mass Effect 2, definitely my favorite game. I've played it so many times. I mean, I've played it the same amount that I've played 1 and 3, because every time I play those games, I just play them all the way, the trilogy all the way through. Um, but 2 just sticks out. 1, the gameplay is vastly improved over 1. Um, and then you have, I think, 12 squad mates um if you include like the dlc stuff um and every single squad mate is just like unique and interesting and has like um a side quest that you do to get the loyalty and that just yeah it and all your decisions matter and kind of focus into what happens throughout the story um and spoiler alert uh you can theoretically all die at the end if you make poor decisions. <laughs> but uh, it's a uh, scripted as a suicide mission, right? Like the whole process yeah. of the plot. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like you're prepping for the suicide mission, and so it makes sense that you're just going around recruiting people. Um, and yeah, the gameplay just feels so good with the powers and the um, and the shooting feels great. Um, and it's aged and. I, I think it's aged incredibly well. Um, so, yeah. That's my number one, for sure. Okay, do you want a baton pass, uh, Sam? Yeah, I guess I'll hand it over to Gaff. Okay, thanks for that. Um, well. My list... <laughs> my list, I'm not sure if I'll call them objectively. Well, I think are objectively the best games ever but these are definitely my personal favorite so starting at number five is dead space did any of you guys play that oh, good one dude i love that game i've played dead space 3 co-op that's only dead space uh extreme oh Man. my god that's your only impression that's not of it space man universe? that's not it hey <laughs> I, I i we actually had fun so i mean i guess i i guess i'm gonna go back to dead, dead space, space though, like, it's not scary when you have co-op man <laughs> Hey, man, I guess if I like this one, I don't know. If they ever remake Dead Space or whatever, I guess I'll enjoy those, too. Yeah, they're they're really, really good. And, and one does the atmosphere the best. Go on, guy. So what I love about Dead Space is, you're right, is one of the best horror experiences I've, I've ever had, like a movie or a game. You're just this, you're not a hero, you're not this badass well he is badass but like he he goes into this the main character isaac clark which is first of all is an amazing name because it's a combination of isaac asimov and arthur c clark so <laughs> the combination of the two greatest science fiction oh i didn't know that real life people in the world that's that's pretty amazing but he's just this engineer on the ishimura which is this uh mining mining ship no sorry I, oh yeah, no, they are a mining ship, and they're here to 
respond to a distress call from this colony and things quickly go south when they realize the whole colony is taken over by the bad guys called necromorphs and so the necromorphs are basically space zombies and they're just so grotesque because the infection it just disfigures your entire body and like it reconfigures your your body parts to suit its needs its needs so you'll end up with some pretty amazing like body horror and some really strange like jutting arms and like yeah tumorous shoulders and like half bodies chasing you and the presentation for this game is just superb because there's no hud you 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 know how many bullets you have in your gun with the the ammo counter on your physical gun and you'll see that when you we aim down the sights your health bar is this this led strip on your back so you know how close you are to death when the light on your back is turning red and you can't access your when you access your inventory it doesn't pause the game so if you're panicking i want to use some like health or something then you're still vulnerable to attack so it you're always you always feel at you always feel uneasy and the atmosphere is great there's so many creepy messages on the walls and those messages tell they tell a story of their own and some of them are actually well the game tells you how to kill the the necromorphs thanks to yeah, yeah, a message written in blood on the wall, which is, don't shoot the head, aim for the limbs. And I think that mechanic in and of itself is fantastic because it's such a subversion of what you might expect because you're so trained to shoot the head for names to kill. But in this game, in many cases, shooting the head will put you at even more of a disadvantage. And so shooting the limbs, I think, is a really creative mechanic. And it's so visceral and... I don't know, man. I just love this game. I even I got the achievement where you have to play the entire game using the very first gun that they give you, which is the plasma cutter. That was a super, super fun experience. Uh, I don't know, Paul. Uh, you want to gush, gush about Dead Space too, or, or do you guys have any other experience with Dead Space? I just want to say before you guys move on, uh, I'm gonna head out. I gotta go to work. Okay. So peace out. All right, we will catch you next time, Sam. Right. Thanks, Sam. Yep. Yeah, see you later, Sam. All right, Ark, do you have experience with Dead Space? You said three, right? Yeah, I had the Dead Space 3 experience. It was like a lot of co-op, but uh, other than that, not really that much. Okay. So yeah, I've I've played through um, all of one and like half of two, and then I, I dabbled in three because I wasn't super interested. Um. That game was extremely hard for me to get through because I was kind of a baby with it, the first one. Uh, I had the headphones on, I had the lights turned off, and it was legitimately spooky, which is really hard to say about a lot of games. Yeah, I didn't finish it in one go. I I played six chapters. There's ten chapters or something. I played six of them when I was like, like uh in in seventh grade and then I didn't finish it until my 
<laughs> my second year of university. <laughs> yeah, the, I have a similar experience with that. Uh, it was it took me years to actually finish it, just because I put it down. I'm like, nope, I can't do this. I can't do this. <laughs> and I'm like, no, no. And I picked it back up and I played through it. And just like the the mechanic with the plasma cutter is just super cool. You don't see that pretty much anywhere else nowadays. It's so cool. But you. You wouldn't think about it, right? And it's not just shooting the limbs, right? Like you're you're severing them. You're yeah. You're destroying this creature thoroughly, and it's just super satisfying to like the sound it makes and like just the gore. And I don't know. There's a lot of people who don't like the gore, and that'll that'll definitely turn you off if you don't like the gore for sure. <laughs> and the death animations are. <laughs> okay awful. yeah so that was that was the thing right and that was the, the turning point for me is like it was one of i don't know it's like the spindly arm looking ones okay uh, it was like okay. a death animation from that and i just i stopped <laughs> i stopped <laughs> after that I'm like i can't handle this and then uh shortly after i graduated like high school right um, i came back to it uh between high school and college and i was just like Wow, like a seriously, like a masterpiece, honestly. Yeah, it's it it's so timeless. It's like when you play four or Resident Evil four, right? Like the first time I played that game, and granted, it's much more action based, but like it sticks with me just like uh, Resident Evil four did. Though, I, what I will say about Dead Space three is that this commercial is is pretty cool. <laughs> if you if any of you guys remember. We get um, CG Isaac Clark like unmasked, and then he sees the marker down the cliff, and then the music picks up, and then you know how he forms his mask, his helmet is like it it comes in plates until it fully forms a mask, and then he activates his plasma cutter. And it's you should give it a watch when you, when you got a chance. It's pretty cool. Which one was it that had the the viral campaign ad where they were showing a bunch of people getting scared out their ass? I don't know. Like, uh, so there was one, and I don't know if it was just like IGN or somewhere doing like a feature, but it's like we we play this with like in the complete dark, right? Mm -hmm. And they had like a an infrared camera at them, right, to film them, and it was just a bunch of people losing their shit to this. To I think it was it might have been two. Uh, I don't know if it would have been one because one didn't have enough like panache right they didn't have enough like hearsay yet so i think it might have been two maybe one i don't remember the time frame on those but it's definitely worth a watch because it's just i think it's kind of funny to watch people's reactions to just super scary stuff mm -hmm. there's a similar thing with like outlast yeah yeah uh okay. so you're number four Okay, and I'll try not to hang on too long for these for the sake of time. Number four is Pokemon Diamond and Pearl. I think Arkwing would agree with me on, on the greatness of this game. Yep. It was my, it was the first game where I care like how well I did in Pokemon because previously I would just catch things that were cool and just uh just go at it blind. But this one I I legitimately tried to use strategy. And besides my soft my soft heart for this game, all the nostalgia. I think it legitimately innovates the Pokemon series. It introduced a day and night cycle. I it introduced 
a very oh sorry you introduced a, a totally online infrastructure where you for the first time you could battle internationally i think that definitely revolutionized the series because before you can only use a, a link cable to battle someone that's like sitting right across from you and yeah i i just i love this game i have so many good childhood memories of it playing it on my my ds flight i love this game a lot and i can't wait for the remakes yeah, I'm so excited They did the secret. Which one was the secret bases? Was it Diamond and Pearl? I believe uh, so. Yeah, I believe so. The Underground. Yeah, The Underground yeah, too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was so cool. Looking for like the the minerals and stuff. Yeah. yeah and, finding, and finding fossils. Yeah. Uh. Well, yeah, it was fossils, right? Like. Yeah, minerals both, like minerals and fossils. Yeah. So did they? They had a, a pretty drawn out ending. Yeah. yeah, there's there are a ton of legendaries to catch, and there's a whole island you could go to, and you could, and, yeah, yeah, and a bunch of er- areas earlier would reopen, and in those areas would be legendary Pokemon like Regigigas or Giratina, and I remember as a kid, just my mind being blown at all this extra stuff to do. Which one was it? Was that the one that introduced the, the three Regis? Yeah. Uh, no. No. I'm going uh, Ruby, Sapphire, and Ruby and Regis, Sapphire. But, Oh, I remember. You had to, it had you needed a DS DS Lite because you needed the the GBA cartridge, and you had to insert your Ruby oh, Sapphire Emerald game into your DS DS Lite, and then import your Regis into your Diamond and Pearl copy, and only yeah. only then could you access Regigigas. I that was such that was such a genius way of implementing. So cool, man. <laughs> their, uh, their hardware. Uh, they're integrated, right? And then you would, you could transfer it from the GBA cartridge from those games. And they've always been really cool about that, like keeping keeping the Pokemon that are important to you and updating them for the new games. Oh, not anymore with Sword and Shield, but well, okay. Used to. Well, I mean, <laughs> that's true. Didn't they? Then they have like Pokemon Mega now. It, that, they discontinued that because they're gonna have Pokemon World or wait, something. Next. Wait, they discontinued Pokemon Bank? Sorry, not not discontinued, but they're moving on to like a. An even greater, like wider service. Um, that kind of, that's kind of a bummer. I mean, but um, I don't, for people who don't really have context or anything like that, um, all of the Pokemon's basically like you could probably transfer everything forward if you had the hardware up to it. up to Sword and Shield, right? Like, yeah, up to the previous game, so Sun and Moon. Yeah. And okay. Yeah. Once you get to Sword and Shield, you you run into some problems. They had a staggered release for that, if I remember right. Yeah, with the DLC, they brought back some Pokemon. Yeah. I never played the DLC uh, for Sword and Shield. I know it's a tangent. Did you? Nah. Nah. Yeah, I, no, I, I couldn't either. Okay, so moving on to num- my number three, which is Persona 4 Golden. Ark, I see Persona 5 Royal is on your list, and I played that too, and I think it's an amazing game. But Persona 4 Golden is is... Of those two, Persona 4 Golden legitimately made me tear up because what it does so well, even though it's an old game and it, it definitely yeah, looks mm-hmm. old, it's the friendships you make in this game are just, they really get to you. You really do feel like a group of friends just hang out in high school and everything's so genuine and heartfelt and the, and the bonds you can make by by 
uh, doing your social links, you really do learn a lot about these characters. I think the the characters here are truly more in depth than Persona Five Royal. They're a lot, I think they're a lot more. I think they're more nuanced and also more likable. The writing is much better for four golden characters. Definitely, definitely. The the villain, Akechi. Sorry, spoilers, but it's a this game's ancient by now. <laughs> Akechi as a villain. Uh, he he might be the most super in depth character in the world, but I think he still pulls off the creepiness aspect pretty well. And that's that's what this game has going for it as well. It's it's a murder mystery, and for the entirety of this eighty hour game or sixty hour game, you're trying to solve the mystery of who who did it, who killed who killed the girl way way back in the beginning, and just the reveals that happen throughout. And there's a moment in around like the second third of the game where someone very close to you like is in trouble and my heart was just pounding and then ah, it, it gets me just thinking about it and then at the very end of the game when you say goodbye to your friends and you move back to your hometown and the the main theme starts playing i yeah it it's just it's an emotional experience and i wish i could play it again for the first time all over again and not to mention the music the music just slaps like it do, do yourself a favor and listen to Reach Out to the Truth right now, and you won't regret it. I will say, though, I, I do think this probably is probably something I'll talk about when Persona 5 comes up. I think just the, the music there was much better, and then the, the main character is much more interesting than 5, in my opinion. Yeah, so um, I, I, Persona 4 Golden was my first Persona game. Like I said, like I, like I said earlier in the show, I bought like a Vita like about... Uh, two-ish years ago with the attempts of modding it. And then I remembered, like, oh, Joker from Persona 5 is coming to Smash. Let me check out this Persona 4 game. Because uh, I was like, oh, let me just... Because I was like, oh, let me check it out. Because uh, I, I I got the Vita, and I was like, oh, I, I, it's a game that people, like, highly regard in the Vita, so let me check it out. And at first, I was like... I, I, like, back then, I was, like, not the anime type of guy. Like, I, I had, like... <laughs> A sort of a stigma against anime or whatever. So well, like, it's funny. I, look, at your, look at your list now. It's all it's mostly JRPGs. So it's funny. Yeah, like I, I just mean like the anime. Like I never really watched anime. I played games more is what I what I do. It's so, like yeah. playing Persona Four like for the first time felt kind of weird to me because like it opens up with like Risei in a bikini doing like a commercial shoot and I'm like oh, oh yeah. here we go typical anime bullshit. They have to have some of it. Yeah, it's a lot of those games, so that's what they do, you know. Yeah, and so, and so like I, I had like a ne- like a little negative stigma going into it, but then I kept playing, and you get to know the characters, and I'm like, wow, like, and so you like just fall in love with them. Yeah, so like I had a little bit of problem in the first dungeon, like I, I, it wasn't clear on what the on what the deadline was, so I failed the first time, but then like once oh, I yeah. after I figured it out, I was like, okay. And like I like I almost gave up the game there, but I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep going just to see how this goes through. And so I kept going and going, and and just like like you said, like the characters and the story got me so interested. The social links, the music, the battle system, all of it brought me in so like so good. Like and like you said, at, at the end of the game, you like tear up when you uh when you're when you're leaving your friends at the end. And so like yeah. that was like like that's like that game is like what made me a Persona fan, to be honest. Even even during the like the winter the winter arc when it starts snowing and the song is literally telling you to go 
go make memories with your friends because you might not see them ever again. It it's so it's so touching. Yeah. The the only like criticism I have with the game is that how obtuse it is to get the true ending. Cause uh, oh, yeah. I think I think you know what I'm talking about. Like you have to figure out who the killer is, and then like there's like one scene like in December where you have to make specific choices in, in order to um to never again, season. never again. Yeah, yeah. like you ha- if you get if you get anything wrong, you're gonna get the the bad ending, and then you're gonna have to go back and try to figure out what you did wrong. And, and that's just for. It's that's so just for, tragic. <laughs> yeah, that's just for the, the December ending. Like, there's like I think like three different endings for this game. There's the bad ending. There's the ending for be- beating the December boss, and then there's the ending for for not going home in March to feat to fight the true boss. Yeah, there's and like it's a, actually like a reminds me of Nier. No, there's actually and there's Marie's actually one more ending if you yeah max out Marie's social links. So there's like four endings actually to be honest with the so. You have to do like a lot to get the like to get the best true ending, but like other than that, like it's a it's like a really great game, you know. And like I'm actually glad that they finally got it off the Vita and now it's on Steam. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, it's a great right. game. Number two, I'll quickly I'll, I'll quickly say number two and one. Halo Reach. It's not the best Halo game, but it's my favorite Halo game because it was my first Halo game. Even though it's not about Master Chief, it's about this this group of this group of six soldiers who are just fighting the war and getting down in the mud. And you and you since this game is a prequel, you already know the ending, but that doesn't detract from the emotional impact of the story because you see the planet reach just slowly fall to the Covenant because because of the invasion, just the military might of the Covenant is just too much for humanity to to fight back against. But the the perseverance of these characters, like their willingness to fight back just for another chance of hope, is is super, it, it really gets to me. And I understand how it might not affect, get to everyone because the characters, I admit, they're not that deep, and you don't get you don't spend too much time with them. But just the atmosphere of this game really tells you just the it you're fighting a losing war, and despite that, you get really invested in the war effort. Uh, then number one, I, I'll have a Super, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. I think it's the best Smash game because it has everyone, has has the, the most random characters combined, like Cloud from Final Fantasy, Joker from Persona 5. You have Steve from Minecraft. And then you, to see those, to see them fighting people like Isabel from Animal Crossing, or Kirby, or Donkey Kong, it's just it's the greatest cro- crossover. In the history of fiction, and there's still more characters coming, and it it really is just like it's the magnum opus of and uh, their history. Fortnite would like a word with you. That that's uh, also true. Fortnite is very good at doing crossovers. <laughs> yeah, it's like crossovers, but to me, Fortnite's a little different. Yeah, to me, Fortnite's a little different because it's like they're like costumes. It's not like the actual character itself, you know. Yeah, you get the Smash, little Yeah, in Smash, you're playing as like the actual character with like their actual move set and stuff. Yeah.
like it like like it, like the animal crossing villagers like animal crossing is no way like a violent video game but yet they like adapted their movesets so well in smash and they, they just tr- they try to be so faithful to the games they came from like joke like for every dlc they have actually sorry for every character they have they, they have music from their respective game so hearing persona music in, in smash is pretty surreal and they have all these little touches like it, I can I can only because I've only analyzed Persona like Joker. Sorry, but even brought over the voice actors from that do the other characters like Makoto and Ryuji and On. Like they're in the game, and the stage mementos is is just it's, just it's all just pretty wild. And I believe that is it for my top five list. And I think we should have our host end. So Ark, it's on to you. What? Okay. Wait, I'm not the host. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Uh, I, I still have yet to go, and uh, I think uh, Ark is going as well. And this one was going to oh, be really? a long one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I wouldn't worry too much about the length of this one. It was going to be a long one, anyways, with how uh, with the top five list. So I kind of expected that, you know. Yeah, maybe, maybe we should have okay, done top can... top three, but oh well. Um, I'll I'll just quickly about... speed through mine real quick. Uh, what were you about to say, Gav? Before I go. Oh, uh, sorry. I never mind. Go. Thanks. All right. Um. So top for me, top five was kind of hard. Like uh, I have four on my list currently, but number five, I just could, I really couldn't choose what number five would be. So I'm just gonna like shout out some quick honorable mentions. Not really gonna go into detail. Um, I put Destiny in there. I wouldn't necessarily say it's like my favorite game, but when we look back on the PS4, Xbox One generation. That's a game I'm going to remember a lot because I spent a lot of time on Destiny when it first released with, like, my friends and stuff. Like, that was, like, the first type of game I ever played of that kind, like, that looter-shooter-ish, um, online, open, online, uh, open-ish world type of game. Like, when it first came out, that entire weekend was just Destiny with me and my friends going through the story, doing strikes, doing, getting loot and all that stuff. Like, that game, um... Even though I really don't play Destiny 2 as much anymore just because I don't have the time for it, the first Destiny is something like that that defines the PS4 generation with me. Just doing a raid, doing Vault of Glass for the first time in that game, it's just just coordinating with your friends was so fun. Um, the next game I'm going to quickly mention is, is Final Fantasy VII Remake. Um, came out last year, you know, the upgrade version is going to come out this year. Um, honestly... I wasn't. Re- I never really played Final Fantasy VII, so I played the original like a month before, and I, and people were like telling me like, "Oh, you don't need to play the original." And I'm actually kind of glad I did because when playing the remake, like there's so many call- there's like so many callbacks and references to the original game that you know, like you'll be like, "Oh, it's this thing from from uh, the game," and like one one of the boss like in the music, especially in remake. It's so good. Like I'm, I'm glad I played the original so I can hear the updated music in the remake. Cause I, I, I popped off when hearing the Genova theme in Seven Remake. Just cause like they build it up. Um, another quick honorable mention: Xenoblade Chronicles. I'm surprised how they had how they put that game on the Wii back then, cause that game is a technical for the Wii. It's a technical masterpiece. Cause that's a big open world RPG game on the Wii and like. I'm really surprised at how they got it on the Wii, and let alone the new 3DS, to be honest. Because those consoles theoretically shouldn't handle 
those that game, even though the graphics at the time were not that good, I guess that was the trade-off for it. But the story and combat in Xenoblade is like top-notch, and I'm like actually kind of glad that it's one of Nintendo's premier RPG series now. And then uh, one more honorable mention I want to throw out is this Fire Emblem Three Houses. I can't believe we're almost going to be two years since that game came out, which surprises me. And the like the summer that game came out back in 2019, that was like my entire summer. I put over, I think it's the game I have almost the, the most amount of hours on my Switch, like almost almost 220-ish hours in that game, with like all the paths and like on the DLC that came out. So those are like my honorable mentions. But I couldn't really pick a number f- number five. Um, so just getting into my top four. Um, it's one that Gaff already mentioned, but it's for me it's Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. I just put Ultimate because like I I it's like the Smash series in general that I just want to put in at number four. Like like Gaff was saying, it's like kind of like the ultimate video game crossover. Like nowhere else will you find Solid Snake from Metal Gear Solid. Duke it out with fucking Mario, Sonic, and Pac-Man, and Mega Man, and all these other characters that they added. Like, Smash is really, like, the only fighting game I'm decent at, but if it wasn't for Smash, I probably wouldn't be the gamer I am today, because they introduced me to so many franchises I wouldn't have played before without Smash. Like, I never played The Legend of Zelda before Smash, I never played Xenoblade, I never played Persona, and, like, the reason I got into Smash was because... I saw a Pikachu on the box of Melee. I'm like, hey, mom, that's Pikachu. Let me get that game. So that's like my story with Smash, really. Yeah, I, don't I definitely know if agree guys... with you. I think yeah. a, lot of the, a lot of people, a lot of kids would tell their friends, like, hey, you want to play the game where Link can hit Mario with a sword? And the other friend will go, what? And then that's the rest of the history. Yeah, like I said, Smash, I wouldn't be the game I am without Smash, because there's just so many franchises in there. Um, the number three game I want to call out is uh, Kingdom Hearts 2. I mean, I, I would throw in Final Mix version in there as well, just because it's the same game with added content. Like, I played this game so much as a kid back in the when I had a PS2. And, like, it was, like, I think it was, like, probably, like, my first real RPG that I can re- remember playing. Um, the gameplay is tight. The combat is super smooth. And, like, say what you will about the Kingdom Hearts story. I didn't have a problem with it, especially back as a kid. And, like, it's the it's the game I've replayed the most over and over again. Like, I played the original on PS2. I emulated the Final Mix version, which was J- Japan only at the time, on, a, on a, like, a shitty-ass fucking laptop I used to have back in the day. And, like, I played that. I played the remake back on PS4 when it came out. Like, this is a, this is a game I could... I would gladly replay over and over again just because the co- the gameplay is so good. And for for it being a PS2 game, it still holds up to this day, in my opinion. If you guys want to say anything, I don't know. Um, so my experience with Kingdom Hearts is weird. Because I played all the way through 1, and I really enjoyed 1 uh, on the PS2 when it came out. Um, or what? Yeah, that was 1. Yeah. Uh, but then... I played 2 way later, uh, and I actually played 2 after I played um, the 3DS one, mm-hmm. uh, and it made no sense. <laughs> <laughs> it made no sense, and I'm just like, I don't know what I'm doing here. Uh, I guess I'm trying to find Riku or something and help him out. Yeah, because at the end of Kingdom Hearts 1, he like gets he's behind the door to darkness with Mickey. So like you're going to look for, look for him, because Mickey... 
was with him. And in the beginning right. of Kingdom Hearts 2, Mickey's like out of the Dark Realm. Yeah, and I mean, I really appreciate what they they do in terms of like emotional connections to characters, uh, especially the main cast. You just you feel for them. I don't know, like like many other characters don't don't do in a lot of games. Um, my experience with that is just like by the end of one, I was like, man, I can't wait to play two. To see where their story leads next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then uh, I I just want to call out the final mix version of the game real quick because it adds so much more like quality of life and end game content. Like back in the original Kingdom Hearts one, when you had to drive form, or excuse me, Kingdom Hearts two, you had drive forms which were basically like different forms that could let you either do wield Keyblades or use them like sing what more magic style. Back then, they only had a, a few forms. I think there was Valor. Yeah, it was Valor, Wisdom, Master, and Final Form. Final Mix adds a new one called Limit Form, which gives Sora his like his Kingdom Hearts 1's abilities back, and he can use it by himself with no party members. And, like, it, it's a really good addition. And then they also added, like, a whole bunch of endgame content. Like, you can, like... There's this one dungeon called the Cavern of Remembrance that if you go all the way through leads to a place called the Garden of, Garden of Assimilation, which lets you fight every Organization 13 member, but, like, a super boss form of them. And it's, like, it's so good, because it, it, it really puts the... It really makes the combat of the game shine, because those fights are really hard if you're not prepared for them. And then they also added uh, one more fight called the Lingering Will, which, at the time, people didn't know much about, but down the line it makes more sense because kingdom hearts super bosses usually hint to like a hint to something next in the future so in kingdom hearts one final mix it led the secret boss in that game was um at the time you didn't know but it was zenith and kingdom hearts 2 and then kingdom hearts 2's final mix's secret boss was the armor of terra who who's a character in kingdom hearts burst by oh, secret really? players yeah it's the the secret bosses are really interesting uh, I mean, I, I thought Sephiroth was like a secret boss. <laughs> in, in the base game, he's the hardest, but like, yeah, the final mix, final mix version adds bosses who are even harder. Okay, well that guy was a pain. So. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, I just want to call out like the final mix versions, especially because they, for for being Japan only at the time, and when the remakes finally, when the remakes came to America, they added the, the final mix content. So like, I, I was so grateful for them to do that. The next game I want to call out is uh, Final Fantasy XIV Online. This is like um, an MMO, and I'm surprised. I would be surprised. Old me would be surprised to have this on here, but me now, playing through that game ever since it launched on PS4 back in 2014, I believe. Um, I'm just going to say it right here. It has the, in my opinion, it has the best Final Fantasy story, especially with the latest expansion of Shadowbringers. It, 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 it brings the. It's 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 my favorite Final Fantasy game entirely. Um, it's like this. People describe the game as like a Final Fantasy theme park, and like it shows in the best ways. There's like so many music remixes from older games. The f- you you can fight enemies from older games too as well. Like one of the raid series from the le- last expansion, Stormblood. You fight against Kefka from Final Fantasy VI. You f- you fight um. X-Death from Final Fantasy V. 
the recent raid tier for this expansion was based off Eden, which is a summon from Final Fantasy VIII. Like, there's just so many callbacks to Final Fantasy, and it's all great. And, like, the, the, the main story, it actually makes you feel like you matter in the world, considering it's an MMO. Like, your character is the warrior of light in that world. And you grow a connection with, like, because of that story, you grow a connection with your created character. Like, my character I made, I made for that game, I feel like I have a connection with him. Like, he's my character, and there's no one else like him in this world. And it, for it being an MMO, it really surprised me about all that. It's, like, a really good game. I know it would turn some people off because it's a monthly subscription in an MMO, but I feel like it's really worth it. And I'm excited to see, like, where the expansion this year, Endwalker, goes because it's supposed to wrap up the story that, that this game set up 10 years ago. Yeah, I don't... Um, I have a limited experience with 14. Yeah. Uh, I started this the main campaign uh, a few years, or I think a year or so after Realm Reborn came out. Mm-hmm. And... I don't know what it was. Maybe I just kind of got, like, ran out of time or something, and I was getting impatient. But it's definitely not something that you can rush through. Uh, I kind of wanted to get to the end game, and it, it felt like it took way too long to to try to get anywhere. Yeah, I will. I will say they did. They cut down on the amount of quests in Rover Born, but Rover Born is like the the worst part of the game and it's like not really knocking the whole game but like once you get past Aurora Born into level 50 content even into Heaven's Ward the game gets a lot better and and now they have like a free trial where you can play for free up to the end of Heaven's Ward really like including all the post patches that they do for Heaven's Ward so you can get to level 60 and experience all that story for free yeah, yeah, maybe it's really good. If, like I said, I'll have to get like your Steam ID or and something. And like, if you ever, if you ever like want to hit me up and play that, I, I'm I'm free to do that. I can play any class. I may I main Dark Knight <laughs> right now, and it's been really fun. I usually pick like the healer class, so. Kind of, kind of on my own. What was that? Uh, I said I usually pick the the healer class. Hello. Did you catch that? Hello? Fuller, I hear you. I don't know if Ark... Ark yeah, I hear Ark as well. Uh, we're maybe working through some sound issues. <laughs> Ark, you back? I think Ark was going to say... Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely... Uh, I'll have to get his ID and we'll team up. And maybe I can talk about it here on the podcast. With some of our experiences there. Gaff, do you have any experience with Final Fantasy XIV? Not at all, especially as an Xbox player. Ah, come on, just bring it to Xbox. I know, but they, I, I really doubt that I have any interest yeah. in doing so. It's just too side- um, tied to Sony, I think. Um, until Ark comes back, Paul, you want to give, I don't know if you want to do it on your tire list, maybe you want to give just like your, your number one? Yeah, I'll, I'll, give, I'll give the run over real quick and go through uh, to my number one. Um, so I have at number five, Jedi Fallen Order, obviously amazing Star Wars game, uh, just an amazing piece of fiction, really probably the best Star Wars thing that came out that year. Uh, great combat. I just, 
I really felt for Cal and the story that they have. Super excited to see the next one. Um, number four, I would say, uh, I would say is Witcher Three Wild Hunt. Uh, yep, Sam talked true. a lot about that, right? And we kind of talked about how immersive the side quests were, and the combat wasn't the strong suit, and it's probably the part that holds up the least these days. But I really think it's worth the journey, and uh, definitely one of my my games of the generation for PS3 or sorry PS4. Um, really, like it. I I played that game like three times, and it just it was super impactful. Um, so I was excited to see like the Netflix series and stuff. Um, it was one of my most like I played one and two, and when three came out, I was ecstatic and. I, I probably put six hours a day into that for like three months. Um, but let's see, number three, right? We have God of War, the 2018 one, correct? Yeah. Yeah, so 2018 uh, really reinvented God of War. Um, that's one of the stories that's going to stick with me for a super long time. Like, I. I can't get like because it and you know it definitely helps that I'm a dad. <laughs> so I I have that bond there and it's like man you're just so frustrated with your kid and you you just want to help them out and understand them and get like be good for them and be there for them and then I really felt for Kratos in that sense like regardless of his past and he was trying to get away from it and he just couldn't right yeah uh just the whole the whole presentation of it such a beautiful game my ps4 was screaming uh (laughs) the whole time um it it was one cut right like it never didn't have loading screens or anything um they had the loading screens but yeah it all looked like one shot oh yeah i think so like at the beginning um it was just it was so awesome the combat is amazing i like everyone knows this but yeah that's uh that's my number three. My number two, and and this might be like, just because I have so much time in it is Destiny two. Um, Ark was talking about it. Yeah, it's definitely I played all Destiny one from from Alpha forward, and I have just haven't stopped with Destiny since. They just have the best shooter mechanics in the industry, in my opinion. Um, yeah. It just there's nothing beats it. Nothing compares the shooter mechanic wise. I I can't. Um, it's something I play every day. It's something I get on. I look for my friends. I look for my brother. And we we go through a couple of strikes, and a lot of the times we are doing the same thing. But I I enjoy it every time. It's a place where me and my friends just get together. And a lot of people have that like where they go. But that's that's been my multiplayer like congregation and. I don't know. I guess I'll just finish out, uh, go with one, and then I'll let Ark, I'll have you finish uh, your list. Um, my top is Zelda Breath of the Wild. Uh, for obvious reasons, I think a lot of people have played it. I, I, you guys have played it, correct? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, I probably have like 400 hours in that game. Damn, a, really? a disgusting amount of hours in that game. Um. I got so many Korok seeds. I think I almost have all of them. I got all the the DLC stuff, all the, just all of everything. I soaked up that whole world wholeheartedly. Zelda is my favorite series, bottom line. Uh, I grew up on Zelda. The first game I ever played was 
a link to the past um and that game is just that game is good like i don't know if i need to really go over that one but uh just the discovery in that game and it carried forward to to breath of the wild all the way and a lot of people complained about the weapon durability but i really feel like it made you use different tools and adapt to different situations and that was kind of the whole crux of the game is that you're taking your all of your abilities and all your knowledge of the world and uh, your like stasis powers and all that stuff um, to apply them in unique ways to different situations, and nobody had the same story going through that. Like, I don't know if you guys remember if you talked with a lot of people during the release time. Like, man, have you seen this? I lit a bear on fire and it chased me. Like. <laughs> and, and I didn't know what to do, you know. And then I, the bear started fighting with the bacoblin, and then, and then like I tried to throw a bomb, and it blew myself up, and and just those kind of like stories that kept me coming back to Breath of the Wild, and and now that my my son is playing, he's getting into it. Uh, I have even more hours, and I'm oh. discovering new things still. Uh, he's like, Dad, I got the Master Sword, and it was like. One of my favorite father moments so far in yeah, life is like, nice. Dad, I'm so excited I got the Master Sword. It's the best sword in the game, right? And I'm like, yeah, dude, you can kill all the monsters. <laughs> uh, so so really, and I, it's a little biased there, but I, I really do think that it stands on its own merits as, as one of the best games ever. Uh, mm-hmm. Go ahead, Ark. Uh, okay, before we go on to my number one, I was talking about Final Fantasy XIV. You were saying something, but I guess I... Lost connection. I just, I just want to know. Oh, uh, so I was saying we'll just we'll get our IDs together. Uh, you play on PC, correct? Uh, so it's cross-platform, so PS4 Ooh. and PC can play as long as you're on the same server. Okay, so I will get your ID, and we'll just well, maybe we'll talk about it on the podcast in the future. Is what I was saying. Yeah. All right. So um, so Gaff mentioned it earlier in the uh in the podcast, and so my number one is uh Persona Five Royal. So um. After I played Persona 4 Golden, I kind of went on a Persona binge basically that entire year. So the next the, the game I played afterwards is Persona 5 and uh I'm it's it's my favorite game of all time, is just what I'm going to say. Um it it to me it improved so much on Persona 4 that yeah. I it, it's just so yeah, gameplay-wise it's just so much better for me. I appreciate that Persona 4 was in a small town setting, but for some reason, just just being in Tokyo for Persona 5 felt so like so cool, man. So cool, yeah. I was like, oh shit! Like the scales have been have been like increased. Like going from a <laughs> PS2, like a, a PS2 game basically, because that's what Persona 4 was, yeah. to a PS3, PS4 game. I'm like, wow! You can see like the improvements they made with this game in terms of the graphics, the art style, the world, the battle system all of that like my, like ever like ever since i've played that game the and the music oh my god like the music is something i have constantly in my head rent free like i bought yeah, the like, soundtrack to have on my phone just to listen to whenever i want it life will change is great and rivers in the desert it's also great yep yep ball great and uh so so yeah like like the theme the theme of the game like i love persona 4's theme of that you gotta be true to yourself, be yourself, don't hide who you truly are. And like I do agree that the thing of Persona 4 is better, but like it's just something about the the Phantom Thief like a tie the Phantom Thief like code 
which is so good to me. Like just, just um, rebelling against like what society thinks of society. you, going against the status quo. Yep. Just so great, and like, I really like the way that they get their personas in Persona Five. Like, yeah, the one that, that, yep, the one that sticks out to me the most is Makoto's Awakening, where it's so just. A per, her persona is a fucking motorcycle. I'm it's like, so what? Yeah. I'm like, how, is, I'm like, this is I a thing. It could be a motorcycle. I was like, that one shit, really, cool. really caught me off guard. I was like, a motorcycle? All right, I'm here for it. Yeah, I was like, oh shit, this is so cool. And that that's it, that's just all Persona 5's like thing. It's like, it just drifts with style, and like, yep. it's just so. I, I like I liked being a. I liked how the dungeons were like. They weren't procedurally generated like how four golden was. Yeah, I, I like how it, each dungeon is like craftily made by the devs, so it doesn't feel tedious like Mementos and uh, like yeah, like Mementos is kind of what that is. What that is. Mm. Persona, uh, <laughs> didn't that they have that in five? What happened? Didn't that, they have Mementos in five? Like a yeah, proc gem dungeon thing. The subway, right? Yeah. Well, at least. Mentos can be made much easier with the by upgrading by doing Ryuji social link because then you can just run them run all the shadows over with your bus and get free. Yeah, so it, in the base game, Mementos is like a, such a slog and it's like not good. But in Royal, they add a new character called Jose that you can like get um you can get like he like buffs if you there's like collectibles of Mementos now. Yeah, that you can, you can get, get extra him. money and EXP and you can have battle. yeah, and if you give them to him, you can have it. So mementos gives you ex more XP and more money, more items, and yep. like combine that with Ryuji's max social link, which got changed in Royal because in the base game, you wouldn't get any XP or or money, I believe, but in Royal oh, really? you do get yeah in Royal they change it so you do get XP and money. So add that with Jose's um new stuff for mementos. You can grind very easily in that game if oh, you yeah. have to. It was so easy. Yeah. I, I finished the game at level 99, and was it wasn't close. even much of a grind. It was mostly um, it was mostly all natural. Yeah. And yeah, so let me let me just go into like the royal editions, like just the new, the new social links, the new quality of life. I was talking to um, Polar about this a little bit last night, but like, all the quality of life editions they make just make the game a lot better. Um. Guns no longer they refill after each yeah. battle. It's no longer one per visit. When you get yep. a new teammate, you don't have to start their social link to get baton pass. They get it immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't even tell Tolar Polar about this, but the Showtime attacks are some of the best. Oh, where yeah. it's two of the teammates team up to do like a super attack on the enemies, and they're so great. My favorite one is Haru Makoto's. These two high school girls. Just get in like a wrestling ring and elbow drop the enemy, and it's so great. Yeah, it's, it's one of my favorite thing. ones. It's so funny. And like the yeah. new social links, um, Kasumi, Maruki, and Akechi's, which is no longer uh, automatic. You have to do a catchy social yeah. link. Yeah. It just flushes out Akechi's character so much, and he's like, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna copy what Barrett from Kind of Funny Games says. He's basically Kylo Ren done right. In that game, yeah, and it's just so so good. And then Maruki, he—I don't want to spoil too much, but like his social link is so good, and like you like learn his backstory, and he's like, he's like, um, 
he's he's the counselor for in the game, but like he he's like really chill. He like understands you. He gives you candy after you talk to him, and some and his like and his uh his um benefits for doing his link are really good. Like you can gain SP randomly during times. You can get buffed up automatically. You can get rid of status ailments randomly. His his links are really good, and um, like I said, no spoilers. But the new story content that they add after December, the third semester, it is the best part of the entire game, in my opinion. I I was crying from the final boss all the way to the end of that game, and just just the feeling that the Phantom Thieves give me the I I feel like they're like they're kind of feel like friends to you, you know, and it's so hard. At the end of the game, like you said, Gareth with Persona 4, and just in Persona games in general, when the game is over, you feel like crying because those characters are your best friends, and you don't want you don't want to let them go. And I, yeah, yeah, I, I won't fight you on that. I personally, I, the third semester isn't my, isn't my favorite of all time. I think it's really, really good, but, um, I think. Yeah, it was almost to me. It seems extra, but nah, I won't take away from your spoiler. Go ahead, keep keep gushing about it. To me, um, I was telling Polar about this. Like Persona games in general, they just keep building up and up. Like you start from from like Persona Five, for example. You take down your fucking rapist teacher, and then it just escalates from there. You go from teacher to like artist to mobster. You know, and it keeps escalating till you, like, fight, you know, God at the end. Typical JRPG stuff, like, spoiler alert, you fight God in almost the end of almost all, RP- almost all RPGs, you know? Like, in Persona 4 and Persona 3, that's all that happens. But in, like, yes. Royal, it, like, brings it back to, like, a more personal scale. And it's just, like, it, like, every, it's, like, everyone has a stake in the battle in the third semester. It's personal yep. to all of them, to all your party members. And it's like the, the fight's like bittersweet too, because like the villain is like not really a villain, you know? He's like someone you can sympathize with. And I feel like if done right, those are the best kind of villains. Definitely. Like I did not want to. I did not want to. I, I like. I was like, like the villain and your your party try to like, they try to come to like an understanding, but at the end of the day, they can't, and it's bittersweet. Just the way, just the way that the whole game ends, and it, if any, if anything, Persona Five Royal is my favorite game, and I, I do want to go back and play it again, and just not now because there's so many games to play right now, mm. but like later down the line in a couple years, I had the Phantom Thieves edition. I spent the money for that edition, uh, and like later down in the line, like I know this sounds a little ranty, but. <laughs> This is this is a game I'm gonna remember for the rest of my life. Like Persona games in general, like they they give you like a te- they teach you something about life in in a yep. strangely weird way, just with their themes. And it, when I first started Persona Four Golden, I did not expect I did not expect to be taught something about life. You know, yeah, I didn't expect 100%. to take something out of those games. Um. Yeah, I think it's fair to gush about like your top game, right? Like, I don't think it's ranty at all. Um, yeah, and I don't know, man. Like, 
Persona for me, it's just so long. Yeah, it was I, so long, pers- and I fell off persona- about, like I said, 90 hours in, and like yeah. I just don't have the heart to get it back into it. But maybe I'm, with persona- Royal. Yeah, Persona 5 is the longest game I, I like single player game I've ever played. And like I get like I understand why people like they, they don't want to get into it, but like for me, I think I'd actually kind of benefited from being that long cuz you like savor your time with these characters and like they feel like friend like I said they feel like friends towards the end of the game cuz you spent so long with them. And like it feels almost bittersweet to like end the game cuz you're like I don't want to let go. Yeah, um, I I feel the same way uh, about like I don't know, like Breath of the Wild. I didn't want it to end. I put yeah. I put fighting Ganon like so far down as possibly like I I could, and by the time I got to him, I'm just like, all right, bro, hold my beer, as they say, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know. And it was kind of disappointing, like for me, right? Like like the boss will never end up to like those long games hype. Yeah. I don't think in any of those, like any final boss will never live up to, to the journey that you went through to get there. You're just like, wow, that was it. Like, that's cool. But like, that's it, I guess. Yeah. I, w- I will say like the final boss of Royal is pretty easy, but still like, it was like the, the journey and all, and all that stuff that made it really worth it. And then one more thing about the music, like, like the credits, all the, all the credits for persona games, the song will make you cry. <laughs> Near Automata did that for me. Yep, that one too, actually. Yep. Um, yeah, I know it's a hard segue, but uh, <laughs> I think I think we're gonna move on to our our, our weekly rotating uh, segment. I, if you're done. Yep. Can I can I just say one more thing about? Oh uh, no, you're good, man. And I, you're I, good. I I like that uh, Atlas. Like they make these. I guess people call them spinoffs, but like they make these continuation games for Persona that gives you like another chance to spend time with these characters like the dancing games they're like really they're they're not important but it's like nice to see that like you see like it's nice to see the characters having fun and like they have like a little bit of story in there but nothing too important and it just gives more like backstory to these characters and then for scramble or, or strikers i mean for persona 5 that just came out it's nice seeing them go on vacation and have fun yeah Any uh any final thoughts on Persona Five, Jeff? It's great. You should play it. Listen to the music and don't watch the anime. Watch the Persona Four anime because that's definitely top tier. Agreed. Yeah, the Persona Four anime is hilarious. <laughs> um, yeah. Hard segue aside, guys. I think I think we'll move to the. I know we're going kind of long, but I uh I think it's kind of important for our audience to know our interests here and um i don't know i hope hopefully you guys feel the same way yeah yeah um but i think yeah we'll move to our game pass or play segment each week we take a click on the old surprise me button and uh so what that does is it'll pick out of all the possible uh game pass game options um doesn't matter PC or Xbox, and we we'll usually try to play one that we can all actually play, right? Um, yeah, at least a little bit. And and this week, I don't know if it, it jived with everyone, but this week's discussion is uh, so what happens? We'll hit the surprise me button, sorry, and uh, we're gonna run through our thoughts here, uh, what we think, uh, some of the key points of what makes the game good or bad, 
and we'll give you like a, a, a soft recommendation or a uh, or a pass, right? Um, obviously, these are these are uh, subjective, and these are our opinions. Like we had uh, Hellblade, where we passed on. So I know critically it did really well, but uh, we just didn't find it super fun. But th that's kind of an example, right? Uh, this Except week's this oh. yeah, <laughs> Gaff was the dissenting opinion here, but uh, very valid. Honestly, though, uh, the audio is great in that game, so I, I definitely agree with that, you on that one. Um, sorry, this week's discussion is Neon Abyss. Um, this is a from publisher Team Seventeen, correct? Yes, I believe so. I I cannot remember the the developer off the top of my head, um, but. I think, so this is another rogue light option. Uh, it's like a run-based 2D platformer game. Uh, you're going around, you're collecting items. You're, it's like a twin stick shooter. So you have on the Xbox is bound to the right stick and wherever you point, it shoots your gun. Uh, a really weird control scheme in my opinion, like you left trigger to jump and so anyways, you're you're going through these 2D platform levels, collecting upgrades and items, and there's a lot of cool things that go with it. How far did you guys get into it? 40 minutes. That far? Yeah, I would say like about half an hour to 40 minutes, like I, same thing. I think that kind of gives you the gist of what it is, though. Like, I'm sorry if it gets like super deep like into later in the game. But uh, like you said, the controls didn't vibe with me. It was hard for me to aim and like hit the enemies that I wanted to hit. And dying, maybe, I guess this is just an aspect of roguelite, but um, dying was frustrating for me and I didn't see how it was, it was beneficial to me in any way, even though I've been told that dying is part of the process. Yeah, the, the yeah. tagline is the only way out is death, right? Yeah, I and... feel like dying in this game wasn't really as, like, like you, besides, like, getting the spend upgrades that you get in the run, there was, like, really no other benefit to dying. Like, I, I know this is, like, a, a high bar to set, but, like, Hades, for example, when you die, you when you come back, there's always something to look forward to, like, story or... Or even spending your upgrades, you know, like every time you come back, the characters in the world have something to say about it. If you die to one thing, they'll comment on it. If you beat a certain boss, they'll comment on it. I didn't really see much of that here, but then again, I didn't play too yeah. much of it. And so I played a lot of it. I played like 15 hours, but I like roguelike games. So it's not really a good, not really good basis for if it's a good game in general, right? Uh, so the crux of it is. You're trying to, I don't know, kill all the demons after going down in, like, a pit, basically. Uh, and they're, they're all based off of, like, memes. Like, th this is the god of internet, and this is the god of, like, uh, technology. This is the god of, like, hatred or something. The god of fast food is one of them, right? Um you're going down and you're you're killing these bosses in like a, sequ a sequential thing and they'll repeat but they'll get harder with modifiers different things they do their attack patterns change so that's kind of cool um 
I will say there's not much to come back to when you come back. And that's a really important part of like a roguelite, right? You come back, there's like a bar that you go to. You talk to the bartender and she's like, yeah, don't forget to spend your upgrade points. And there's some cool things in there, but it's not really impactful when it comes to to actual gameplay. Like there's some things like you'll unlock this kind of room when you go in or, but there's no like, passive upgrades for abilities or anything so that kind of put a hamper on like personal progression which was just a killer for me um i i got pretty far into it because there was some good things surrounding it um so a few of the things right um you can have so you'll go through and you'll you'll start to accumulate these eggs right and those eggs have a chance to hatch into these like companions one of the ones i have and, and those companions then level up as you destroy monsters and do different things um like one of them would throw bombs at the enemies one of them does like a, a turret one of them goes and collects the coins for you and, it, and that one kind of looks like donald trump which i thought was a little funny mm. uh there's a mummy so th that was a really cool aspect and I hope if they make another game, they definitely include some of that in there because they that's part of the game that kept me coming back was to see some of those. Um, so they have different characters that you unlock by beating the runs and spending your points too. Unfortunately, those characters just... They're not different enough or the abilities just weren't good. And like you were saying earlier, Gaff, the control scheme is just not good. Like, it's so off-putting, and I don't think you can change it. So, I think you act you can, because there was, I was looking to the settings, and it did mention rebinding buttons, but I, I didn't try it, so I don't know how customizable it is exactly, so. Uh, well, even aside from that, right, like, it just didn't feel fluid to shoot something. Yeah. Which is, like, the, the core of your game. Um. Yeah, but I, I felt like I had little control over what I wanted to hit. Right. Uh, that was yeah. what I ran into, I, and that's why I stopped. Yeah, I had, like, a missile gun, and then I, I guess I killed myself for being too close to the missile or whatever. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you can fault the game for that one. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> it just reminds me of Sea of Thieves, man, when you, you're like, all right, I didn't think it would light it, and you just walk off with this explosive barrel and blow yourself up. <laughs> I was trying to drop it and it blew up. Yeah. Oh man. Um. I, uh, one other thing to note on the item economy was just garbage. I never had grenades. Like they were never easy to come by, and you have to throw grenades at these things, and that didn't feel good. Uh, I had there was one room with grenades, and it told me to shoot it like at a box above <laughs> me. Yeah. But I couldn't figure out how to throw it above me. But I had to jump and then throw. <laughs> Some really weird stuff there for sure. Um, one of the, they have a good and evil system, right? You, you, you can shoot the crystals, or you can, you can spend the crystals that you get throughout to, to like get coins and stuff, and it'll unlock a, a secret room uh, in that level, and you can teleport there and get like a, a good item, and it, that was kind of cool, and it's like a morality system sort of loosely. Uh, the items were never worth it though. Uh, let's see. I think, yeah, uh, the cool side rooms. So I, I touch on that. Is like, 
they have one where it's it's like uh how do i explain it they have a giant walking piano right and it's like guitar hero where the notes go above and you got to hit that combination and it gives you an item i mean the rewards were never worth it but it was kind of a cool thing they added they have those they have an arcade cabinet that you would play uh it had some like galaga kind of thing and um but really i think overall it takes knocks for the controls too much it, it, it just doesn't feel good to play the game um i think you guys kind of feel the same way just from what you were playing yeah i'm I, i'm not really a fan of roguelikes either in general <laughs> like the only yeah. the only one i really like was hades that's more because the story and like the intrigue yeah um and there's another one when, when you hold it up against anything anyone in the genre it just doesn't stack uh especially from things like children of morta i don't know if you guys have heard of that one no, I, I think I might have heard it about so it. So if you like if you like Hades, you probably for the story and stuff, you'll definitely you should probably check out Children of Morta. I think it's on Game Pass. Um if you get a chance, but if you don't like it's more of a action dungeon thing, like you, it plays out more like Diablo. Uh but after each run when you die, it's like it comes back with this super interesting story about the the bergsons and uh anyways it just has things to come back for that make it worth it right uh, uh neon abyss doesn't do that it doesn't really feel that great to play uh weird decisions kind of all adds up for me to be a pass yeah, what do you guys I think I, I, for me it would be a pass as well i would also and that's, that's just because of my <laughs> pace you know right um, I spent way too much time on it. Uh, fifteen hours is way too much time. Really? Oh yep. man, hats off to you. <laughs> it did not. I don't feel like it was well invested, <laughs> to be honest. But I'm, I'm um, I was trying to give it an uh, a better chance, right, to see if like I beat the game, if it would really, it was something cool. But I beat the game, and well, you give it more than you deserve. Yeah. Uh, so pass on that one. Um. I don't know if you guys have it up. Every week we will go and hit the surprise button. I don't know if either of you want to do it, do the honors, and uh, we'll kind of decide what to discuss next week. And for any listeners out there, you can kind of join us if you feel like it uh, and be the guinea pigs for other people who don't really have the time to do that. So I don't. Okay, that took me a bit to find, but uh, I got Injustice. <laughs> yeah, Injustice 2. Oh, oh really? really? Injustice yeah, really. too. Okay, I think oh, that yeah, should be an interesting one. And I'm gonna have oh to yeah, play I played the first one. I haven't played the second one though. You guys are in for a treat. I have played the second one all the way through, but I'll I'll play it some more here this week and kind of refresh my memory on it, and we can discuss it. Um, so yes, Maybe we can go head to head against each other too. Uh, yeah, we we should probably try that out as well. Yeah. Uh, we'll try out yeah. some of the multiplayer to get kind of a, a better like feel for it too. Um, yep. Yeah, so Injustice Two is, is the oh, game wait, pass. Oh wait, on play. PC Game Pass? Oh wait, hold up. Um, PC yeah, let's make sure it's there as well. I I do believe it's PC, but we can double check. Uh, I can't wait to hear you guys talk about it. I was doing that. Um, I was doing that on the console, so I don't know if that'll count either. Uh, let me look here. 
I'm on PC. Yeah, I thought I thought I just had to go to the Game Pass app and hit all games, but no, I had to go to my it's games there. and apps, then Game Pass, and it's weird. Okay. Uh, yes, yeah, so I, I searched it in the PC Game Pass. It's there, so we should all have access to it. I mean, you said you've already played it, Gap, so. Oh, yeah, I can talk about it all day. <laughs> um, I'm really into it. Uh, I'm excited about next week. I think it'll do for this week's episode, though. Um, so we're going to wrap it up. Do you have any final thoughts, guys? Um, no, it was enjoyable hearing about all your favorite games. I 100% agree. Um, yeah, I agree. Long episode, but I think it was pretty good. I think it's important, too. Um, in the future, if you're listening, these will probably be around an hour to an hour and a half. We try to keep them shorter, but with our top five, obviously, we had to gush. Uh, thanks for sticking around if you're still here. Uh, we post every Tuesday uh, on all your podcast services, so keep an eye out for that. This has been episode two, officially, of the X2 Interact podcast uh, for Sam, Ark, and Gaff. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.